Good morning, Boker Tov, and welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today, our weekly analysis and study, our learning of the Parsha, in order to extract and to draw contemporary lessons and messages to inspire us each and every day. I want to thank our generous Parsha series sponsors for the year, dear friends Becky and Avi Katz and family, in loving memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, Le'ilu Nishmas, David Ben Menachem Manish. Thank you for your generosity. And thank you for your sponsorship. This morning's show is also sponsored by Mark and Madonna Berkman in honor of Bokerton Synagogue with appreciation for the efforts to use technology to be able to inspire people around the world. Also sponsored Lila Nishmas with Moshe Ben Avram, a Holocaust survivor, a case study in Amun Pshuta. Thank you all for your generous sponsorship. If you'd like to sponsor a future shear or episode of Partial Perspectives or any of our other classes, please email lee at brsonline.org. Lee at brsonline.org. And with that, we begin the third book of the Torah. We have transitioned Sefer Bracious, the birth of our first family, to Sefer uh, Shmos, the birth of our nation, of our people, and now moving over to the book of Vayikra, the story of Torah's Kawanim, the story of the priests and the way that they lead, the way that they, uh, the way that they offer Karbanos. We've gone through the building of the Mishkan, the significance of the Mishkan, of creating a house, a dwelling place for Hashem to be down below. And now we move over to the function, the different korbanos. What was offered? Why was it offered? How was it offered? The role of the kohanim in the world, which is significant. In Sefer Shmos, we talked about we are to be, Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim to be a mamlechas kohanim v'goy kadosh. I had the privilege of speaking on Sunday at a Chanukah Sabayis of a magnificent new shul in North Woodmere, my good friend Rabbi Ari Libowitz. And we spoke about exactly what this means. You can find it online if you'd like to listen. What does it mean? Why did Hashem take us out of Mitzrayim? The very reason He took us out of Egypt was to be a mamlechas kohanim, a nation of priests. Rav Avram ben Arambam, the Rambam's son, writes, what does it mean to be a nation of priests? The role of the priest vis-a-vis the nation is to inspire, is to teach, is to be a religious role model. So we, the Jewish people, vis-a-vis the entire nations of the world, we're the priests. None of us have the luxury, none of us have the right to say, I didn't go into the Rabbanus. I'm not a rabbi, I'm not a rebbetzin, I'm not in Chinuch. I'm just a simple person. No one can judge me, no one should hold me accountable. I don't have a responsibility to be a role model. I'm not an example. Charles Barkley could say that, nobody else can. Nobody has the right. Because we are mamleches kohanim, we are to the nations of the world what the priest is to us. So before we can go and serve as that role, mamleches kohanim, begoy kadosh, our mission, our mandate. He took us out of Mitzrayim, all the Mepharshim, you can listen to the whole talk from Sunday. All the Mepharshim explain the reason he took us out was not to liberate us to be some secular political entity. He took us out in order to be mekadesh shem shemayim. He took us out in order to sanctify his name. It's why he took us out. So before we can understand, therefore, our role and mission in the greater world as a nation of priests, we enter Torah's Kohanim. Now that we became a nation, we need to understand the role of the priests within our nation, and then we can understand our role as priests to the entire nations of the world. So we have a lot to share this morning. Many insights from Rav Druk, and then I have a special treat for you. Rav Druk was in Boca Raton last week, and I recorded a video with him to play this morning, his Divrei Torah on our Parsha, on Maos Chitin, connecting to the time of year, on Pesach, and a little question and answer I did with him about his Chavrusa with Reb Chaim Kanievsky, about how he learns and prepares for his Parsha Shir. I'm going to play that for you at the end, and I hope you will enjoy. He speaks in Hebrew. I translate everything into English. His Hebrew is in Ivrit Kala. It is accessible. So stay tuned all the way through and at the end. And as I told Rav Druk after the recording, I said, every week I quote Rav Druk. Right now we're learning a magnificent Eish Tamid. I said, many of the listeners don't know. Oh, Rav Druk, when did he live? With the Ramban? With the Orachayim? With the Kliakar? Who was he? I want them to see his face, to see your face, I told them. I want them to know you're alive now and that you're part of the world in which we live. They'll appreciate your Torah even more. And he kindly recorded with me. So we'll get into that. Page 544, Art Scroll Stone Moshe. God called Moshe and then he spoke to him. First he called him and then he spoke to him. Now we've seen this, uh, we studied this in the past, last year notably at length. The small olive, the olive Zira. Where does it come from? Why is there a small olive here? Vayikra el Moshe, an olive Zira, a small olive. We've spoken in the past. It's brought down. This is where we begin Chinuch. Children learn Chumash starting with Sefer Vayikra. Now, if you would have asked me, that is the worst pedagogic decision anyone could ever make. Vayikra? Esoteric? So difficult to connect to? 
seemingly barbaric, that's where we start in the minutia and the laws and the details of Karbanos that we struggle to relate to ourselves today. That's where we begin? Are you kidding? So, the Mepharshim explained the Aleph of Vayikra is small, an allusion to the little children. We start with Karbanos. Children need to know that to be a Jew is, of course, it's Geshmak to be a Yid. It's Geshmak to be a Yid. We miss uh, you hearing me and Shai singing it together. Geshmak to be a Yid. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's pleasurable. It's joyous. But there's often sacrifice. If you pay for that Jewish education, it costs a lot. Kosher meat, Pesach, Matzah. It's difficult. You don't always want to wake up for Shacharis. You don't want to always give up your Saturday for Shabbos. There's Karbanos in life. We have to be willing to sacrifice, compromise, and to give in order to come close to Hashem. And we start with that message for children, the small Aleph. We communicate, we remind our children that while it's Geshmak to be a Yid, don't forget that it begins with sacrifice. It begins with submission. Soloveitchik in his halachic man, footnote 4, talks about religious man. What it means to be religious is submission. If you only want religion to do what's right for you, you want to feel happy and good, it should serve you. That's what it means to not what it means to be an Evid Hashem. To be an Evid Hashem is to submit and surrender to Him. We start with the small Aleph. The Balaturim writes on the small Aleph, Vayikra al-Moshe, Aleph de Vayikra Zi'ira. The Aleph of Vayikra is small. Shemosha ayagadu va'anav lo'ratza luchtov elo vayakar. Moshe, who was so humble and so modest, did not want to write out the first, the full word, Vayikra, that Hashem called him. He was so modest. Hashem called me. He didn't publicize that Hashem followed him and he was a friend of his on social media. He didn't want to put out there that Hashem got in touch with him and called him and said, come here. Moshe's an honor. He's humble. It's nobody's business. Today you see it all the time on social media. People happen to run into an athlete, a celebrity, a powerful person. They take a picture with them and they post it as if their social standing goes up, as if that person is a commodity. I'm connected to them. They're famous, therefore I'm famous. We like to drop, name drop. We like to drop the connections that we have. Moshe was exactly the opposite, the Balaturim says. He was an anav, and he was a gadol. To be great is to see yourself as small. Not small that you're insignificant, but to not need to broadcast or proclaim it for the world. So he wanted to say, Vayakar, his chance, happenstance, happens to be. Hashem was going through the phone book. He happened to call me. Could have called anyone. Could have called you. It was chance. It was random. He happened to land on me, but he could have landed on anybody. Rather than Vayikra, that Hashem specifically tapped me. It's Moshe's humility. The same way that he appeared to Bilam, and it was chance, happenstance, random. It was Vayakar. Similarly, Moshe wanted to say it was just like that, like it was for Bilam, will be for Bilam. Hashem said, no, 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 no. I'm in charge. I'm the boss. And I'm telling you that I called you by design. I called you with intention. So how dare you write by a car as if it was a chance? I specifically reached out to you. So Moshe again protested. He said, no, if you love me, Hashem, you won't honor me. If you love me, you won't ask me to be the honoree. If you love me, you won't know. Leave it out. I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I want to be invisible. I want to hide in the shadows. So they came to a compromise. Says the Balatur, what was their compromise? An Aleph Zeira, the small Aleph. On the one hand, it's not a big Aleph. It doesn't sound like Hashem intentionally called him. On the other hand, it's not invisible. It's there. It's different than Bilam. In a Parshat Kisisa says, Rav Druk, We just read two weeks ago in Parshat Kisisa that Moshe didn't know that when he descended from the mountain, when he taught the people the Torah, he had these rays of light that emanated from his head. Where did those rays of light come from? Moshe illuminated the world. That Moshe was on fire. Literally, it looked like fire was coming from him. Where did it come from? When he was writing the Torah and he used the quill, there was ink left over. And that ink passed over his head. And from the ink that was left in the quill that was passed on his head, that's where came these rays of light. Many people delve into very, very deep and beautiful reasons to the notion of this extra ink in the quill. What does that mean? Was the extra ink his individuality? We have the Torah that is objective, that is absolute, and then we have the relationship with Hashem that is individual and subjective, that is uniquely ours. There are many, many beautiful different interpretations. But Rav Druk asks a fundamental question that is lost on many of us. Asks Rav Druk, 
what do you mean that there was ink left in the quill? Who messed up here? Did Hashem underestimate how much Torah would be written? Did Moshe not write it the way it was meant to be written? Why was there ink left in the quill? Why was there ink left in the pen to begin with? We're talking about the omnipotent, infinite, almighty, the perfect Hashem, the perfect Ribona Shalom. He did not know which pen with how much ink would be the perfect exact amount in order to be able to write the first Sefer Torah. Why was there anything left? So the answer is, you know where that extra ink came from? This Aleph Zira. Because Moshe, out of his humility, insisted, you cannot write my full name. There was some ink left over. And you cannot write the full word Vayikra. You have to make that Aleph small. If you're going to have it at all, I'd rather you not have it. So there was leftover ink. Similarly, later, when Hashem himself testifies, after his sister speaks Lashonar about him, and Hashem himself testifies and says, Vaish Moshe Anav, Moshe was the most humble of all men. That word Anav is written without the Yud. Moshe insisted on it. And therefore, there was extra ink left over. Nimtza, Shosa Anav HaShegarma Lelechtov Alav Zeira, O Lehashmit Oz Yud, Mishavach Anav Shenechtov Alav, Hare Osa Midas Anav Azui Shegarma Lishir Hadyo, now you know, where did the brightness, where did the glow come from? Where did the shine come from? The shine, the glow, it came from his humility. When we say it came from the leftover ink that came off of his head, what does that mean? He didn't take the ink and smear it all over his forehead. What it means is the reason for the leftover ink, namely his deep humility, is also what created that sense of countenance. And now we understand that lo yada Moshe, it doesn't mean that Moshe didn't know that he merited to have these rays of light. The opposite. What Moshe didn't know, what he didn't know was how humble. He was so humble that he didn't think of himself as great. That's what the Pasuk means. He didn't know that he illuminated the world. He didn't know that he put off this glow, this shine that came from his humility and his chayn. Not he didn't know because he didn't happen to pass a mirror and didn't see it. He didn't know because he was humble and never saw or thought of himself in that way. A beautiful interpretation that puts it all together. Where did the extra ink come from? He insisted on the small olive. And he insisted that the yud be removed. There was leftover ink. And the leftover ink created this light. Not literally created the light, but the cause of the leftover ink, his modesty and humility, was the same cause that created the leftover light. The leftover light. Okay. Number one. That was number one in Rodruk. Revolba says, Vayikra al Moshe. Why is Hashem first calling Moshe? Vaydaber alavnan speaking to him. Why? What's going on over here? So, the the Chazal tell us that you see from here, the Medrash deduces from this pasuk that Moshe did not go into the Mishkan until Hashem specifically invited him, and you see that a person should not enter without being invited. We don't let ourselves in. We don't force our way in. We don't enter a conversation or a space where we weren't invited and where we don't belong. And you learn that from Moshe. Moshe, who is the greatest of all people, part of the Rambam's 13, Yigalmi Karim, is to believe Moshe is categorically different and better and greater and superior than any other human being, a human being, but a superior human being. And Moshe, who spoke Pal Pem Hashem, Moshe, who is privileged to have the closest relationship with God, still did not enter casually or comfortably until he was invited in. So too... No one should enter until they're invited in. This is a manifestation, says the Medrash, of Das. You see, Mikan, from here, that Moshe had Das. We spoke about this, I believe, in the Parsha Shia last year. The Chazal tell us, Any Tamar Chacham who lacks Das, and we translated then Das as common sense. A carcass, a putrid, smelly, rotten carcass is better than that Talmud Chacham. Listen to last year's Parsha Shir. We quoted an amazing story from Ravon Lichtenstein Zatzal when he paid a shiva call to his Rebbe Rav Hutner Zatzal and how Rav Hutner invoked that Chazal because he was very bothered by a Rosh Hashiva who had just visited him before. Listen to the Parsha Shir to find out. But we said Das in that context meant common sense. You could be a great Talmud Chacham. You could know Torah, Kola Torah Kula, and yet lack common sense. Moshe Rabbeinu knew everything but he didn't enter without being asked. 
You see, he had das. Das in that context is derecheretz, common sense. But what does das mean? So Revolba says another pshat. Why is das so important? Das, writes Revolba, is an awareness of what one's doing. Das means I'm not mindlessly doing something. I'm not simply not even noticing. My mind is not elsewhere. I'm not just doing it out of habit or rote or mechanically, but rather I'm mindful. I'm conscientious and I'm conscious and I'm present. We spent a lot of time in Silas Hashem on Wednesday mornings at 8.15. We learned in the Midah of Zahirus. The Midah of Zahirus is, I'm mindful in what I do. I'm cautious in what I do. I'm vigilant in what I do. I don't just grip it and rip it in golf terminology, but rather I'm thoughtful, I'm strategic, I'm present, I'm mindful in my thought, my speech, and my action. Das is the ability to be mindful in what I'm doing. When it comes to davening, das is referred to as kavana. It's quite possible to recite the entire Shemona Esrei. You get to the end, you close the sitter, and you don't ever remember saying one word. You arrive at the station and you don't ever remember boarding the train. You get to the end of the Amidah, you take your three steps back and you say, huh, I don't even remember taking the three steps forward. A tefillah that lacks das is a tefillah that lacks mindfulness, that there was no presence at any moment. The same holds true, says Ravoba, for everything that we do and say. This is in his Pirkei Kenyan Das. People converse with others, we talk and we say whatever comes to our mind, to our mouth. We act based on impulse and instinct and urge and desire without mindfully thinking, is this good for me or bad for me? Will I sabotage my own happiness and my success? And says Ravoba, now we can understand an expression. We have an expression, it's a dream, it's an aspiration that we all have. We all long for Yishuv Hadas. What is Yishuv Hadas? It's an awareness of what one's doing. Yishuv Hadas we use to describe tranquility. I just want some peace of mind. Enough with the drama and the craziness and the anxiousness and the worry. We just want Yishuv Hadas. I just want some peace and quiet. I just want some tranquility. Says Revolva, you know what Yishuv Hadas comes from? You know when you have peace of mind? When you have mind, when you are mindful, when you think about and you're present in what you're doing, that's what it means to have Yishev Adas, the return of Das, tranquility, peace. Yishev Adas is not some magic pill we swallow. It's not some magic wand we wave. Yishev Adas is not just, I'll do some meditation in the morning and then I'll become all day long. Yishev Adas is when I'm present in what I'm meant to be doing in that moment. And I'm not thinking about yesterday. And I'm not anticipating tomorrow. And all I'm living in is the here and now. I'm in the present. That's when I can have Yishuv Hadas. That's what Das is. Says Ravoba, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu, he had this quality of Das, and we should all strive for it as well. And that's Vayikra. He didn't enter without being invited in, and that is an expression or reflection of Das. He had that, he had that Yishuv Hadas. Pasuk Beis, moving right along. We're flying now, page 544, same page. What did Hashem have to tell Moshe? Speak to the Jewish people, and here is the message to tell them. Odom ki mikem korban Hashem. A person, when you sacrifice, when a person among you offers a sacrifice from yourself, from an animal, cattle, flock, that's where you bring the offering from. We've spoken about this also. Happens to be we've read Vayikra also before. So it's not that we don't have new material, we have only new material, but every time you see the Psukim that we've read previously, can't help but think about the amazing Devere Torah we've shared in the past. Why does it say Adam? Often the Torah says Ish. Why Adam? We've shared in the past the beautiful Ksav Sofer. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to jog your memory. I'm not repeating those Devere Torah. Why does it say Adam? Why does it say the whole expression Adam ki yakra mikem altogether? You could have just started. And so on. Why Adam and why mikem? Sort of Druk back in the Ishtam and asks the following. He has several questions. With this, we begin the story of the Karbanos. This is the introduction to the world of Karbanos. First of all, what kind of introduction? Why don't we just say, When you offer, here's where you should offer from. Just begin, when you offer. Why do we have to emphasize Adam, as opposed to an Ish, or Adam at all? Just say, when you offer. Why a person when they offer? Obviously, it's a person. Who else is bringing the offering? The order grammatically is wrong, says Rav Druk. The order should be Adam Mikem, when a person among you, when you offer. Not when a person 
offers from among you. It's grammatically incorrect. And moreover, why do we need the word mikem altogether? Just say Adam ki Yakriv Karban. What is the word mikem from you adding? Similarly, you could say You could also just say Minabahema. Behema animal is a generic word that means all the other species that come under inside of it. So why do I have to specifically spell out Minabahema, Minabakar, Minatzon, just say Minabahema? So Druk asks a series of questions that essentially are all the same. The puzzle could have been consolidated to be much shorter. What do we need the word Adam? What do we need the word Mikem? What do we need the words Bakar and Son? What is going on here? And he says the following. Fundamental point. He says, in order to understand this, we have to understand something fundamental in Jewish philosophy, something fundamental about our lives. The Shla Kadosh, the great Shla, Shnei Luchos Abris Bishaya Levi Haratz, and his Sefer told us Adam, writes the following. There are two notions in the word Adam. If a person is clinging and connecting and attaching ourselves to above from where we come to God, we're called an Adam. For example, the Pasuk says in Yeshayahu, Adama le'elyon. In Adam, a person is striving, connecting. We've shared many, many times. The animal walks on all four, faces down the ground. The human being walks on two legs. We reach, we stretch, we strive for the heavens. On the other hand, Adam can mean the opposite. So Adam can describe our yearning, our stretching, our striving for the heavens, for Hashem, but it could also mean that we return to the soil from which we came, the lowly earth. We go back to the lowly earth. So which Adam are we going to be? That's the choice that we confront each and every day. Who are we? And who do we want to be? And which Adam are we going to be? Are we going to be the Adam, the person? Do we have what's inside us that stretches, that strives, that wants to be our best version, that wants to grow? Or is the Adam inside us the one that wants to satisfy an appetite, that wants to feed an urge or an instinct? Who are we and what are we? We're made up simultaneously of a neshama and a guf. We are a soul that has a body. The soul is a chelak elokam yimah mamish. The soul is a part of God, literally. But the body is an animal. The body wants to act like an animal, eat like an animal, follow animal instinct and impulse. How do the two even coexist? How does that body become a vessel that holds the soul? They're opposites. The body is the here and now, and the soul is about eternity and forever. The body is about the urge and the appetite for the material, and the soul is about the spiritual and the sacred. So how do they coexist? In fact, we make a bracha every day, acknowledging that challenge. When we end, Ashi Yatsar, person successfully comes out of the bathroom, nothing anyone should take for granted. You have the miracle of eliminating the factory called the human body, eliminates, absorbs what it needs and eliminates the rest. We make a bracha. And how do we end the bracha of Ashi Yatsar? Rufei kol basar, umafli lasos. He's the Rufei kol basar, he heals all flesh. Hashem is the great doctor in the sky, he's the miracle worker, he heals all flesh. Umafli la'asos. What is the word mafli la'asos? So the Shulchan Aruch and Arachayim Simen Vav writes several ways that you understand this word. Shulchan Aruch doesn't often get into the business of uh, offering commentary on tefillah, but here it does. And the Shulchan Aruch writes, Umafli la'asos is milashim pele. It's a pele gadol. A pele gadol means it's a wonder. It is wondrous. It is an incredible, incredible, magnificent miracle. And the Ramah writes, Od Yesh Lefarish, Shemafli Lasos Bamasha Shomer Ruach Adam Bekirbo, Vekosher Davaruchni Bedavar Gashmi. This connection, this collaboration of the body and the soul, the fact that the soul can be housed within a body is a miracle. It is a Pella. It is nothing short of a wonder. There the Ramah expands. He says, The soul should seek and succeed to escape, to want to get out, to want to get away from the body which holds it back, which is a barrier to its success. And yet, we coexist and cooperate, we partner, and we are together. So every time you go to the bathroom and you make an Asha Yatsar, and we conclude, we are acknowledging and affirming our understanding that it is nothing short of a miracle and wonder that our body and soul can cooperate and coexist. When a person makes a mistake, 
when a person errs in judgment, when a person sins, we are in fact violating both our body and our soul. Because our limbs and our organs were all designed to be vehicles and instruments of godliness, of sanctity, of doing mitzvos. And when we make a mistake and we misuse and abuse them, we have compromised our soul, and we've also compromised and violated the very pur- purpose and the instrument that's called our body. So if a person wants to repair and return, one must repair in both realms, the body and the soul. And here's the part that's important. You ready? So you'll say that when you bring a korban, you're only atoning, you're only repairing for the physical component of who you are. When we bring the animal to the altar, what we say to God is, God, I am slaughtering and sacrificing the animal inside me. I recognize through the mistake I've made, I am confessing and I'm honest with myself and with you, that the truth is I'm an animal. I'm an animal. The animal acts on impulse and instinct, even though it's not right, and I have made mistakes. I've acted on instinct and impulse, even though it's not right. And how do I atone for it? I can't slaughter myself, my body, because really it belongs to you, God. I'm just a steward. So I take this animal that represents symbolically the animal in me, and I offer it to you as a statement, as a proclamation, that I'm in fact, through offering this animal, I am offering the internal animal inside me to you. So I've taken care of the goof so to say. But how do you atone for and how do you repair the damage that was done, the stain that was stained on the soul? How does one repair for that? And that's what the Pasuk is coming to tell us. You have to repair for the goof, for the material mistake you made. You got to slaughter the animal in you. So the Adam, you are an Adam, an Adama. You come from the Adama. Why are we called Adam? Behema is Ba-ma. What you see is what you get. Adam is Miloshin Adama. That you have potential to grow just like the earth produces and grows. So too we have the ability and the capacity to be able to grow and to be able to, and to, be able to improve. So Adam. Which Adam are we going to be? Kiyakriv. When you bring the carbon that takes care of the goof, but you also have to take care of the neshama. How are you going to take care of the neshama? Through Mikem. Through Mikem. You got to be genuine and heartfelt and earnest and real. It's got to come from the heart and the soul. Was that Yuval Lashon Pasuk? And now we can understand. Kiyakriv Mikem Tzarech Lios Me'atzmo. In a Shaykh's Klal Etzem Akrabas Abahema. We're no longer when we get to the word Mikem talking about the animal or the blood that you're going to sprinkle or the fats you're going to burn. All that are symbolism. The blood represents our passion and the fats represents our overindulgence. All the Karbanos are made up of symbolism. We've taken care of the physical and material. But what about the soul? That's the Mikem. It's got to come from you. Sincere, heartfelt, mindfulness. We've got to be fully present in all that we are doing. Why do we offer sacrifices to begin with? Why does Hashem... It seems barbaric. It seems archaic. I read an article several years ago. There was uh, someone who uh, identifies as an Orthodox rabbi. Always writes and says, as an Orthodox rabbi. And he explained why he is never going to pray for the return of Karbanos. He doesn't believe in them. They're barbaric, they're ancient, and they're cruel to animals, and we don't pray for it. I don't know, you're going to have to do a lot of editing to our davening and to our sitter if you're going to. So I wrote an article in response and talked about the misunderstanding of the whole role of Karbanos, why we're doing them and what we believe in them. They're not ancient, they're not outdated, they're not barbaric, they're relevant, and they're contemporary. And while they have not yet returned, I and you and we daven for them each and every day, because it has nothing to do with cruelty any more than the leather belt or the leather chair I'm sitting in or the shoes that I'm wearing or the steak that I hope to enjoy sometime later today. I don't really have steak. Yechevet, if you're listening, I'd love to enjoy a steak. Or I can make my own steak. I know. I don't have to ask somebody else. But the animal is here to serve us and not the opposite. And there's no greater service the animal can offer us than atonement and repair, than the ability to elevate ourselves. So why did Hashem give us these karbonos? This is a fundamental debate between the Ramban and the Rambam. First Rashi, on Pasuk Tes, Perak Aleph Pasuk Tes, go to page, we're turning the page, 546. Wash the innards and the feet with water. And the Kohen offers it all up in smoke on the altar. 
He offers it up. A satisfying aroma to the Almighty. Nothing like the smell of a good barbecue. Says Rashi, what does it mean, Nichoach? A pleasant aroma to Hashem. You're giving me nachas ruach, Hashem says. You know what the pleasant aroma is? The pleasant aroma is not the smell of a good piece of flesh. By the way, if anybody asks, black and blue. It's the best way to have a steak. Anyone know what black and blue is? Nice and charred on the outside, rare on the inside. That's the proper, proper way to have a steak. Nice and black and blue. So Hashem doesn't care about how a steak is done. Rare, medium, rare, well done. Hashem doesn't have preferences for his meat. So what does it mean, reyach nichach? What is this pleasant aroma that he is imbibing? And the answer says Rashi, so important. The answer says Rashi is, you know what the reyach nichach is? It's the nachas ruach lafanai shamarti v'naseretzoni. That I asked you to do something and you did it. My child, my kinder, the fact that I asked you to do something and you did it, that's the reyach nichach. The most pleasant aroma I can have, the most pleasant gift you can give me is not the smell of a great barbecue, but is the smell of your caring and listening to what I've asked. So why? Why does he care? And why did he ask? So the Rambam and Mora Nevuchim and the guide to the perplexed Chela Gimel Perek Memvav famously explains, since the Egyptians and the Kazdem Hayu Ovdin Levakar Lutzon, these ancient civilizations, these idolatrous pagan civilizations, they would worship animals, they would worship astrology and the signs and their manifestation among the animals. They would bow down and they would worship and they would see them as having power. So what's our antidote? What's our response? We take these animals and we sacrifice them. And we show that they are not a deity, they are not God, but rather we sacrifice them to the real God. The very animals that you're using to worship and to serve idols and pagan, we now use in the service and sacrifice to Hashem. And that is in fact how we receive atonement and repair. So for the Rambam, Karbono sacrifices are concessions. Ancient civilizations offered sacrifices. The Jewish people craved something parallel, something similar. Hashem said, don't do what they do. They have to listen to me. That was the lesson of Vayaka Pakude, Kashur Hashem. So I'll give you an opportunity. It's called Karbanos. You also crave a temple. You also crave sacrifices. So I'm gonna, you're going to sacrifice the very animals that they worship. You're going to offer as sacrifices. Rambam positions it essentially as a concession for that time. The Ramban sees it entirely differently. And he asks exactly that question. How, asks the Ramban, can the Ramban possibly say that the whole reason for Karbonos is because these other idolatrous ancient nations used to worship and the Jewish people craved it too? But what are you talking about? In the days of Hevel and Noah, before these idolatrous nations, their Karbonos were already offered. So how could it be only a concession to these others? Karbonos were offered before by righteous people. So, how could it be? So that, that's the Ramban's question on the Rambam. So the Ramban answers in two ways. He answers based on Nigla, he answers in a revealed fashion, and he answers based on Sod, mystically. First he says the following. The Ramban says a beautiful, beautiful symbolism. And he says the following. When a person makes a mistake, the mistake took place in three realms. In our thought, our fantasy, our desire, it's what drove us to the mistake. Bedibor in speech, and in action. So, when we offer a sacrifice, we atone and repair in all three realms. How? Smicha, when we lean on the sacrifice, is maisa, that is an act. Confession, vidui, is with our mouth, that is the speech. And the burning of the innards, the burning of the organs, that is the machshava and the taiva. And we offer these certain organs corresponding with the hands and the feet. And we sprinkle the blood, which reflects the passions, our internal blood, 
our blood is boiling, our blood is uh, running, our juices are flowing, the drive that we have to do something wrong. Really, our blood should run, we're guilty, Kodesh Baruch should have off with our head. It's our organs that should burn, it's our blood that should run freely and be sprinkled. The Ramban says the purpose of Korbanos or Hashem's great concession, not a concession because other idolatrous nations were sacrificing. They were Hashem's concession that rather than kill us, we offer the Korbanos. But when we offer, or today, when we read about or recite, I don't know if you heard, but if you get to shul early enough, there's a little something called karbanos that we say is part of davening. So when you recite the karbanos, the kavana, the mindfulness that we're supposed to have is that really this should be us. Hashem, I'm sacrificing the animal in me and I'm sprinkling the blood that should be my blood and burning the fats that are my indulgences and my fat and it should be me, but this animal is the kapara because I offer it instead of me. So it's fundamental machlokas between the Rambam and the Ramban and then the Ramban offers a mystical reason. I'm not old enough, smart enough or mystical enough to be able to tell you. Vanir Shiesh of Sharas, however, says that Rav Druk, why am I sharing this? Because Rav Druk suggests a way of seeing the Ramban and Rambam as not disagreeing. How? From the beginning of creation, really there was a sod. The mystical hidden reason the Ramban references is why Noach and Hevel, and it's why those early most righteous personalities of Tanakh, long before we lived in Egypt or among pagans, offered sacrifices. They did it for the mystical reason. They didn't need any other reason. And they gave a Nachas Ruach to Hashem Izbarach. They gave a pleasant aroma. What was pleasing to Hashem was that they were willing to do what he asked. However, later, when heretics expanded, and now there were pagan Avodah and we had to respond, both because of the Jewish craving and also to show, oh, that's who you worship? We're going to burn it on our altar. We're going to slaughter it in order to show that it's not a God worth worshiping. Absolutely not. Rather, it is, um, it is who we slaughter to the Almighty then the reason. So Rav Druk suggests that Ramban and Rambam don't have to be arguing. They could both be agreeing. It's just a question of chronology, how and when it came. Okay. Perak Aleph, Pasuk Gimel. Going back now a page. If you offer an elevation offering, an Ola comes from cattle, you have to bring an unblemished male, Bring it to the entrance of the Olmoed, voluntarily, and listen very, very carefully because this is going to relate to a rally that we're holding this afternoon. I would hope and pray desperately we don't have to hold it, that the right thing is done, but unfortunately, it seems as of now that it is still scheduled. How is this connected? So I want to share with you the following. I want to share with you the following. We said, look at Rashi, Yakriv Oso. That we force the person. A person is obligated to bring a korban, we coerce, we force. So you might say you could do it against their will, but the Pasuk says it has to be their will voluntarily. How can it simultaneously be with their will and yet you're coercing? So the answer is you force them, you pressure them to do it until they say, oh yeah, I forgot that that's what I really want to do. The pressure is pulling out and drawing out what the person really internally wants to be doing all along. The makar for this Rashi is a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah Davav. And there seems to be a steer in the Pasuk. It says, Yakri Voso. Sounds like Bar Kocho. Lutzono sounds like he wants to. So we apply pressure, gentle or strong, in order for him to realize what he really wanted to do all along. That he really is Lutzono Lefnei Hashem. Lefno Lefnei Hashem. So writes Rav Druk about this. He says, This notion is not only true with Harkavus Karbanos. We first do the mitzvah, we've got a big problem. When we begin, we don't really want to do it. When the alarm goes off in the morning, I want to stay in bed. When you have to buy the matzah, you don't really want to spend the money. We're in the Bechinus Kofin or so. We have to force ourselves, we have to pressure ourselves. We don't taste the sweetness. We don't experience the joy at the very beginning of the mitzvah. We have to pressure and coerce and push ourselves until we draw out until it becomes what we want to be doing. We have this as well. The Rambam famously says this in Hilchos Gittin. Hilchos Gittin, Perik Beis, Halacha Chof. The Rambam talks about a person who doesn't want to give a get. 
The Rambam writes, "Lama l'batal get zarei anos ben biad goyim ben biad Yisrael." Ain amram anos al nimishen elchatz v'nidchak lasus davishen amuchim and atorah sos gomishukad shemachar nasan. Avash atak for Yitzro haral l'vata mitzvah lasus avera v'hukad sheaso davish chayv lasoso. Oh, atchen etzrachin bidavish chayv lasoso. Ain ze onas mimenu elu anos atzma b'dayto hara. A person who is truly anos, a person who is exempt, or a person whose circumstances preclude them, is considered anos. But if a person who could and should be doing it, but has covered up their layers of proper instinct and drive by negativity, then when we pressure encourage them, we are actually bringing out of them what they wanted to be doing all along. That's what we say in the Pasuk of Pull us close to you, and then we will return to you. Force us, coerce us. Force us, coerce us. Give us no choice. Make us an offer we can't refuse. And then, after you kfia, after you first pressure, coerce us, after we get started, then we're going to, then we're going to come back. This is a halacha. This is a halacha. And that's why we're having a rally later today. Unfortunately, there's a tragic circumstance in our case, in our community. I've been involved for a very long time, many, many months and uh, years, trying to help and tried absolutely everything else, everything else, there's a complete timeline. I'm going to put out a video later today that covers the entire timeline that led to this moment and lies that are being put out to try to stop these rallies. But there's a rally in Lakewood, New Jersey, and there's a rally this afternoon in Boca Raton in front of Boca Ridge Development. We'll share more information at 5 p.m. And please, if you have a heart, if you have a heart, if this was your sister or your daughter or granddaughter, she's been chained, unable to go on or move on with her life, she's acted correctly. And she has uh, tried to go to Bezdin and subjected herself to mediation and done and willing to cooperate in every which way. Even though I'm not saying she's perfect or everything she or her family have done is perfect. But she deserves our support and our help in order to set her free. And that's why we'll be gently applying our social pressure through this rally. Kofen also. We no longer kofen with actual physical coercion. God forbid. We don't do that today. But social pressure. Harchakas the Rabbeinu Tam. We apply. And we need your help and cooperation in the Lakewood address, in the Boca address, in order to gently encourage so that this individual will remember what he really wants to be doing all along. And with that, I share with you Rav Avmashor. The great Rav Avmashor, Lekech Vahalibov, also comments on this Pasuk. The Rambam, the source of this is the Rambam Hachos Gerashim, as we just read, as we just Recited. So says Rav Shor about this. Yisora den shokviat shemarotzani, whom they should be emes be pnimias halev kolev yehudi tzoyk brotzani lekaim rotzon boro. The truth is in the heart of every Jew, in the heart of every yid, is a voice that is screaming out, saying, "I just want to do the will of my Creator. I want to do what's right all the time." Lo rak lekaim mashu mitzava meakodesh baruch hu alafilu mashenu mitzava ela avazer rotzon habore. Not only to fulfill His will and His commandments that are explicit. But I just want to do what he wants for me, the Ratzon Hashem. Kamosha Omer, we say this at the end of Halal. Pesach will soon be upon us, we're going to say Halal. And we end Halal and we say the words, Tzadikim Osei Ritzonecha. Tzadikim Osei Ritzonecha. Who are the Tzadikim? They're Osei Ritzonecha. What it means to be righteous is the person who wants to do your will. In the inside, the soul of every yid, of every Jew, is a pintal yid. It is completely holy. It's completely pure. And it craves to fulfill the will of Hashem. The Nefesh HaChayim Rechayim Balashina writes that even if a person has violated very strict halacha, Externally, we take on all kinds of stains and blemishes through the mistakes that we make. But that pintaliyid, that pure spark inside of us, we can never, ever compromise it. And therefore, it cries out and it screams out to Hashem. However, the body, the body acts against. The body creates tension and conflict with the soul that wants to do what's right. And so therefore, sometimes it needs the gentle pressure, the gentle reminder, the gentle coercion to do what is right. And then he continues, Rav Mishor, a message and theme you've heard from me a lot about the Neshama Yisera. When Shabbos comes, we have a Neshama Yisera, Vay Nafash, Vay of the Nefesh. So the Baal Shem Tov says, Vay of the Nefesh. What does it mean? Neshama Yisera. Listen to this chat. In all the many months I've been giving different interpretations of Neshama Yisera, I never came across this. The Baal Shem Tov says, you know what Neshama Yisera? The word Yisera means Milashem Yeser. The Neshama is Yeser Al-Haguf. On Shabbos you can feel that 
that inner desire, that pintaliyid, the spark of holiness that wants to draw close and do the will of Hashem, it's yeser al haguf. All week long, the guf is stronger. All week long, my desire for sleep, for money, for food, for physical pleasure, it's stronger. And the soul is struggling to have its voice heard. But come Shabbos and we get the Neshama Yisera, come Shabbos, of the Nefesh, and we get that additional layer of our soul, the Nefesh, the Neshama, is Yeser Alaguf, Neshama Yisera, Yeser Alaguf, that desire of fulfilling the on Hashem. So that's the Ritzono of our Parsha, Parshas Vayikra. That's the Ritzono of Hilchos Git and Hilchos Gerushim, that you can coerce in old days physically and today socially, you can coerce and apply pressure for a person to do the right thing. We're trying to bring out of them what they wanted all along. And now I'll connect it to the Haggadah, and then I'm going to present to you of Druk, even though we had a lot more to say. But um, now I'll tell you the Haggadah insight. If we say the Russia at the Seder, we say the Russia Hake Ashinov, break out, blunt out his teeth. The Russia asks this question, what is this Avoda Lachem for you? And he excludes himself from the community. So what do we do? We punch him in the face. We smash out his teeth. Hake Ashinov, you punch out his teeth. Shlomo Lekarabach quotes, I forgot from whom, he says, that's not what it means. You know what it means? Hake Ashinav. Shinav is Midlashon Shin, the Shin. The letter Shin is made up of three branches. The three branches are Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Inside every Jew is a Pintaliyid. Inside every Jew is a holy spark. Inside every Jew is a progeny, a child of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Inside every Jew is a Shin with the three branches of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Hake Ashinav doesn't mean punch him in the face. Rather, it means... You need to break and remove whatever barriers are there at Shiyomer Rotsa'ani until you bring the Shin, the Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, out of him. At Shiyomer Rotsa'ani. That is Lirtsono. Hilchus Gitten. That is Lirtsono. And Hilchus Karbonus. That you can be Kofes, someone to bring their Karbon. At Shiyomer Rotsa'ani. And that is the Haggadah, the Hake Eshinav, that will blunt out their teeth until Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov, the three branches, are able to, are able to come out. All right. Uh, this month, tomorrow morning, Tomorrow morning, 10 minutes, Masil Sashar made 15, living with Amun at 8.45. Tomorrow night, we go behind the Bima. And this Motzei Shabbos, please mark your calendar, 9 p.m. 9 p.m. You can come in person in Boca Raton Synagogue, or you can listen online on our YouTube channel, 9 p.m. We have a fantastic topic for Shabbos HaGadol, growing community larger and smaller at the same time. We're going to talk about the Korban Pesach, Eden Bachabura. And the notion of this last year that we've been alone, isolated from one another, and then we came back together in small groups, and what it will mean to come back together to be at Sibor, grow larger and smaller at the same time. 9 p.m. this Motzei Shabbos, hope you join. And now it is my great privilege and pleasure to present to you Harav Yisrael Meir Druk, the Eshtamid, who we've quoted this morning, and whom we've been quoting for a long time. We have the tremendous chus that uh, Rav Druk, who we quote a Sefer each and every week in the Parsha Shir. There are... Um, Baruch Hashem, many, many, many around the world who listen. The Rosh Hashiva, Rav Druk is a tremendous Tamachacham, and uh, amazing, amazing person and leader. And the opportunity to host the Rav, the Rosh Hashiva here in Boca Raton, is a great schos. So I ask specifically for uh, those who listen to the uh, Parsha Shiur, if Rav Druk could uh, share a message, a message about learning the Parsha each week. Uh, this will play next week for Vayikra. So... ויקרה וגם בראש חודש ניסן, שמתחיל השולחון אורך בראש חודש ניסן, אז אומר שצריך לתת מויס חיטין לכל הנצרכים לפסח. אז אנחנו אולי נדבר על הנקודה הזאת, נקודה מאוד מאוד חשובה בנושא של צדוקה, לא כתבתי על זה בספר, זה דברים חדשים, שאני חושב שזה נותן מבט רחב מאוד ליהודים שיבינו את החשיבות של הדבר. To, uh, we give donation to the Besamekdash, to the Mishkan, the Shulchan Aruch, when it talks Pesach, Mo's Chitin, to make sure that uh, those who don't have, have a donation is given to make sure everybody has matzah, wine, food to eat. As kach. Yesh, anachnu karanu b'parshas kisiso, shemoyish rabbeinu, kshebikshu machzis ha-shekel, hu nitkasha, hu nitkasha, v'kodibuch hu yira lo matbeya shel eish. במה הוא נתקשה? 
ולמה הקדוש ברוך הוא שאירע לו מטבע, אז הוא אירע לו מטבע של אש. יש בזה הרבה פירושים, אני רוצה להגיד על פי דרש פירוש אחד. מוישה רבינו התקשה למה מחציס? למה לא שקל שלם? למה העניין דווקא במחציס? אמר לו הקדוש ברוך הוא, תדע לך, הכסף זה חצי מהעבודה. חצי השני צריך להיות אש, צריך להיות דבר עם גיא. צריך, להיות, צריך לתת דבר עם גיא לבן אדם. אלא לא לתת לו רק את הכסף ותלך. המפייסוי זה יותר חשוב מהנויסן, כי כל כך חשוב לפייס את העני, כל כך חשוב לתת ולפייס את העני. אגיד לך, יש, מאיר נקרא פלואי, והפלואי הזה מביא את שיבין הרוב. הוא אומר, כתוב בפסוק, אחרי שכתוב נוסן טיטן בפרש עזריהי, ושאכתיפתך נוסן טיטן מצלוקת, כתוב, בגלל הדובר הזה יבורכו השם. אומר לך, הפלואי, בגלל הדובר הזה פירושו של דבר, בגלל הדיבור שלך, לא בגלל הנתינה, בגלל הדובר הזה, בגלל שאתה מדבר אליו, אתה מפייס את זה, בגלל זה תקבל. Moshe doesn't know what that means. Hashem shows him a coin that's on fire. Many explanations Rav Druk is suggesting. Moshe understood, why a half shekel? A whole shekel. A whole shekel, why only a half? Hashem said, because the money is only half of it. When you give stucco and you help, the money takes care of half. But being on fire, the passion and the devotion and the energy and the love, that's the other half. There's a hafla. When it says that um, it says that a person has to give stokah. Not hadavar, this thing, but hadibur, because of the way you speak. So when you hand the money, that's only the half. The other half is what you say when you give the money. Do you give your heart, the varmkite? Do you give the warmth? Do you give the love? Do you give the care? Do you lift the person up? Not only in what you give, but in how you give. הדובר הזה בא להגיד דיבור. בזה מתיישב שאלת תייסס ובובה באסר. הגמור אומרת שכופים על מצוות צדוקה. שואל תייסס, כל מצווה עשה שמתן סחורו בצידו, לא כופים. אין כפייה. אם התירא מגלה, למשל, התירא מגלה שיש שכר, לא צריך לכפות. אז למה כאן כופים? אומר אף לא, לא, השכר זה לא על הצדוקה. השכר זה על הדיבור. אז כופים על הצדוקה. The Gemara says that uh, you're allowed to force, you can coerce somebody who's not giving stuka to do the right amount. So Tosas wonders, anytime the Torah, when it gives the mitzvah, tells you the reward next to the mitzvah, you can't force. So why are we able to force here? Stuff law answers. Because the reward that's given next to is for the reward of the speech, is the reward the way you lift the person. But the stuck itself, the act, that's what the kviya, that's what we're able to force. I want to the עוד מעט נעבור לפרשה, שנראה שזה גם מרומז בפרשה. הגימורה אומרת, מספרת בבובה בסרי, שהיה חסיד אחד של יור הנובי היה מגיע אליו כל יום. גימור בדף זין עמוד בייס. יום אחד הוא עשה בית שער, בית שער הכוונה שהוא עושה אה, בית שער, שלא ייכנסו מיד לבית שלו, יש גדר ובית שער. מאז אל יור הנובי הפסיק להגיע. שואל החזון איש, מה קרה שיש בית שער? האם בגלל זה הוא הפסיק לתת צדוק אל העניים? אז הוא לא נקרא חוסיד. איך יכול להיות שהגימורי קורא לו חוסיד, אם הוא הפסיק לתת צדוקה? מסתבר, אומר חזון איש, שבבית שער, כשהוא שם את השומר, הוא נתן לו חבילה של דולרים, שכל עני שדופק, הוא ייתן לו. נבוז לפרובלם? מה הבעיה? הבעיה שהוא לא הקשיב אל העני, הוא לא שמע את העני. שבה שנים עד תשמע, שקה סדל. תקשיב ותושיע, לא מספיק תושיע, תקשיב. חלק מהצדוק זה לא רק הנתינה, חלק מהצדוק זה לשמוע, להקשיב, להבין, לחיות את השני. זה חלק חשוב מאוד. ואותו חוסד איבד את אליור הנובי, הוא חילק את אותו כסף, אבל חסר לשמוע. מוישה רבינו כתוב, נוסן ליבוי ואינוב ליוסמי צרליהם. נוסן עינוב זה אחד ששם את העיניים, יודע איפה צריך עזרה. אבל אם אין את הלב, זה לא מספיק. זה לא מספיק שאתה תשים עיניים לתת עזרה. תיתן את הלב שלך, שהוא ירגיש שאתה שומע אותו, שאתה מקשיב לו. זה אמרנו, מחצי ספק זה רק חצי. Mm. יש חצי שני שבר עם קיץ. להקשיב, לשמוע, 
זה חלק גדול מהאמצע הסרטים. So the Chazanish asked, why not? Mestama, in that gateway, there was some money that when a poor person came, it would get distributed to them. So the tzedakah was still being given. So why would Eliyonavi stop coming? And that why is a chassid? So the Chazanish explains, because maybe the money was arriving at the person who needed it, but they didn't get the listening ear. They didn't get the person who dedicated the time. They didn't get the person who lifted their spirits by validating, by, by being makshiv, by listening to them and by embracing them. So it's only a machatzis hashekel. Half the job is giving the money, the resources to the person or the place or the institution that needs. But the other half is how we give and how we lift in the way that we give. לא מספיק נדיב בידיים, צריך את הלב, לא מספיק את הידיים, הידיים לא מספיקים, צריך שגם יהיה נדיבוס הלב, שהלב יהיה נקי. פרשה דוקס בעד, נדיב לב, the people who donated to the Mishkan of the generous heart. Just say נדיב, somebody who's generous, the money, all that we care about is that the check cleared. What about the heart? The answer is it's not just about the check clearing, it's the נדיב לב. You don't give with your hands, you have to give with your heart. אני אספר סיפור עם רבוי שפיין שלי. נראה מה זה חשיבות. רמוישה פיינשטיין היה כל, כל יום יוצא מהבית שלו בגיל המבוגר, להגיד שיעור בתפילת ירושלים, זה היה בעשר וחצי בבוקר. רמוישה כמו קדוש דול ישראל, time is time, אין, אין חוכמות, זמן זה זמן. הדרייבר שלו מחכה לו ב... ליד הבית שלו, כדי לנסוע לתפילת ירושלים למנהלת, והוא לא יורד. And one day the driver was waiting and Ramosha didn't come down. He was going to be late to the shear. So the driver went up to see if everything was okay. And he heard there was a sound that someone was inside. So he knocked. Ramosha didn't answer. When he heard someone was inside, he let himself in. And he saw that Ramosha was sitting at the table with an old Jew. And the two were just crying and crying and crying. And he waited patiently. And when it was over, Ramosha cleaned himself up, said goodbye, and they went to the shear. And the driver, the Shamash, asked, why, was, why were we delayed and why was, why was Rebbe crying? So Rabbi Moshe said, to tell you the truth, I don't even know what he was asking. I didn't even fully understand what he needed. But I saw he was crying, and that moved me to tears. I cried with him. And that's what it means to be a Godel B'Yisrael. That's what it means to give. It's not just to give money or resources, but to give one's heart. It means to give one's emotions. It means to be actively listening. It means to cry with someone else who's crying. And I'll just add on, hoping the Rosh doesn't even understand. Having just sat with the Rosh Hashiva when he gives brachos to the people who need the special koach of Torah to be able to give these brachos, you see that the Rav, the Rosh Hashiva, practices what he preaches, not just to say the Dvar Torah, but to give that listening ear and to give that heart and to make a person feel that they were heard and to have a sense of hope, not just the resources, the money, but to be able to be lifted. Mm-hmm. 
איך, איך נשוב חזרה, ציון במשפטי פרדה, ושובר, איך יחסרו, שובר הכוונה, כל אלה מחוץ לארץ, ציון אם זה ירושלים, אז במשפטי פרדה, ושובר זה כל האנשים מחוץ לארץ, הם ישובו, איך ושובר, איך בצדוקי, אז בניסני יגאלו, בניסני עשיתם לי גואל, זה זמן שוויקל קודה, זה זמן שבו ישחיתי, נרבה בעזרת השם בצדוקי, ונזכה כולנו במהרה שצריכים לתפוס את המטוסים, לנסוע לארץ ישראל בעזרת השם. Amen. Nisan, we were redeemed. Nisan will be redeemed. The Navi tells us we'll be redeemed with Staka. And therefore, if we want to be redeemed in Nisan, it's the time that we take care of those around us. It's the time that we help. And we should be zochet to be able to come to Eretz with the Rav. Does Rashiv have one more minute? Yes, one more minute. What would Rashiv say to those listening? When learning Chumash, learning Parsha. It's a Shira on Parsha. What svarim does the Rosh Hashiva love to learn? Of course, the Rosh Hashiva's father, the Drash Mordechai. What are the, the favorite svarim on the parsha of the Rosh Hashiva that inspire the Rosh Hashiva's own thoughts? Is it from Rosh Hashiva? Lomod, Rosh Hashiva, she'ish la tachidushim shalom. And I'll say it's a little bit because everyone loves a different style of אבל הצורה בדרך כלל, אני אוהב לשים לב לנקודות קטנות שאחרים לא כל כך שמים לב. אני לומד את הפרשה, אני לא מסתכל על פרשה כמו סיפור, כמו היסטוריה. אני שם לב, כאן יש מילה מיותרת, כאן יש סיידה מיותר. אני מסתכל על הראשונים ועל המדרש. זה בפרט מה שאני מסתכל. איך שם סויפה קצת, שאני מוציא ממנו לפעמים כמה וכמה דברים. רבי ללפיאן קצת, לוי ליאור קצת, רב חיים שמואלביץ קצת, אבל, אבל יותר אני מסתכל על המדרושים ועל הפרשי הרמב"ן, בואי לחיים, אה, המפורשי המקרויס, הגנזרי, הארשיך, אה, דברים של מפורשי המקרוי, ובפרט לשים לב, לא לעבור על הפסוקים כמו איזה, פשוט לעצור ולשים לב לנקודות שמוזכרות, כאן מילה, שם מילה, שמזה אני מדגדג ומשתדל להוציא. Rashiva learns the Rishonim on the Parsha with the Medrash, not a lot of Achronim, a little bit here and there, but the style, the method, is not just to read a Pasuk passively, but to look for the questions. Why is there an extra word? Why is this phrase? Why is it in this order? And when, when something jumps out as the question, that inspires itself, the answer, and to rely a lot on the on the Siyat HaDashimayim. The Rishiva, Yesh Zchut Gedola, Lulmod Kol Shavua, Emer Abchayim, Shlita. Ulai Daka, Ulai Mila, Al... What's that like to have a chavrusa with with Reb Chaim, with the experience of learning with someone who's kula Torah? Is chus? I mean, I mean, maschut sheyesh li, I don't know, but I mean, iten, rak shat zibur iten sipur katan. I can walk out here and speak all day and all night about the maschut sheyesh li with Reb Chaim Kanievsky. I want to speak a sipur katan sheyavinu ma medubar kam shtei sipurim ma medubar kam ma zenikralim mutirah shel Reb Chaim Kanievsky. פעם אחת אני נכנסתי עם חמי ורב חיים קניבסקי. חמי זה רב מיכל זילבר, בדי לדף שומעים אותו בכל לדף בכל העולם, בתרש"ס ובדף היום. כן. וחמי שואל אותו שיש חסם סויפה ונוידו ביהודו, שניהם אותו דבר. הם אומרים שבכל התרא כולו, בתקופת התרא, ואותו דבר בתקופת המשנה עיסת הנוי, לא קראו לבן אדם שתי שמות. ראובן לבד, שימן לבד, לא קוראים שם שלם, לי קוראים שלוש שמות, ישראל מאיר, כן? לא קראו שתי שמות, זה התחיל יותר מאוחר. ואז השוור שלי שואל את רב חיים קניבסקי, שהוא זוכר משהו בדברי היונים, במישמן הלוי אין מישהו שקוראים לו שתי שמות. חיים קניבסקי אומר לו, במקום, אתה מתכוון, במישמן הלוי קוראים לו רוממטו איזה. הוא אמר לו, איזה פרק? איזה פוסוק, קוראים לו רומן טויזו. השאלה שלי היה המון. הוא אמר, אפילו גודל לפני מאה שנה לא היה יודע למי קוראים שתי שמות בכל תנ״ך, בכל תנ״ך. ואז רב חיים קייבסקי אומר לו, אז זה לא כל כך קשה, הקושייה שלך. כי יכול להיות כמו שבת שבע זה שני מילים, אבל זה שם אחד. ובהלוך צריכים לכתוב את זה בגט באותו שורה. אז גם... אומן טועיזה, למרות שזה שתי מילים, אולי זה שם אחד. רב חיים קייבסקי אמר לו, אבל לי יש קושייה אחרת. מה שהם אומרים שגם בתנועים לא כתבו שמות, 
יש תוספת בקידושין שכתוב במקדש אישו אמנס שקוירים לירובין, ואיו קוירים לו ירובין שימן. היו קוראים לו, רואים שהיה דוגמה, רובן שימן זה ודאי שתי שמות. אז רואים שבתנוע הם כבר כן כתבו שתי שמות. זה נקרא עקב התרם. למי יש שתי שמות בתנ״ך? איפה כתוב שתי שמות בתנועים? תוספתס. זה מושג שגדלו בתורה שאי אפשר לתאר. אני הייתי פעם רבבון גנחובסקי, היה גאון גדול, שמעת? נמאס פעם לרבחיים ושאלו אותו מה השיעור של אבוקדו לאכול ברוך אחרינו. אתה יודע מה זה אבוקדו? כן, כן. שאלו אותו רבחיים מה זה אבוקדו. אז רבבון גנחובסקי אומר לכולנו שעמדנו שם, מה למדנו מזה? מה למדנו מזה? אז אנשים אמרו לו, למדנו מזה שרב חיים חוץ מלימוטריו, לא מעניין אותו. רבו מלחוסקי אמר לו, לא. למדנו מזה שבשעס בבלי, ירושלמי, ספרי, ספרו, ספורנו, רמב"ם, שורנו, אוקטורס, כל התרא כולו לא מוזכר המילה אבוקדו. כי אם היה מוזכר אבוקדו בכל התרא כולו, הוא היה יודע. זה הגדלס האדירה שיש לרב חיים גייבסקי, גדלס של שקיוס ולימוטריו. הוא, הוא אמר לי שהוא שוכח הכל, כי הוא פלל יום-יום לקודש ברוך הוא, שהוא רוצה לשכוח הכל שלא דימוטריה, בשביל שייכנס עוד קצת בקומפיוטר של הראש, עוד קצת דימוטריה, אז הוא מתפלל שישכח הכל, שלא יזכור כלום, שלא ידע כלום, שלא יזכור, הוא מתפלל על זה יום-יום, שלוש תפילות ביממה, שלא יזכור שום דבר, הוא רוצה כדי שהמוח יישאר מקום לעוד קצת דימוטריה. זה נקרא, זה הזכות הגדולה שנקרא לבחיים Rav Zhuk, the Rosh Hashiva, as the Tzchus Talmud with Rav Chaim Kanievsky twice a week and is very close with him, I asked him what the experience is like. He said, Rav Chaim just has a, a global view of the whole world through Torah. He's just holding in all of Torah and sees the world through Torah, understands it through Torah. So he once took his father-in-law into see Rav Chaim and his father-in-law asked him, he said, you know, today people have two names. Many people have two names, some have three names. So, but we don't find in Tanakh anyone with two names among the Tanakhim people with two names. When did it start? Why do we have it? So Reb Chaim said, we do have once in Divrei Yomim, and he told him the Perik and the Pasuk, and the two names that appeared there, I can't even remember oh, from the story, but he, but he remembered. We're in Divrei Yomim, but he said, but you know, maybe you could read it as one name, because just like Batz Sheva is, is one name, but it could be written like two, but it has to be on the same line in, in the Halach of a Get. So to these two names could be written as one, so maybe a person wouldn't see that or remember it as two names. He said, but there is a Tosefta, Tosefta in Kedushan, that says that a person is known as Ruvain, but uh, a person whose name is Ruvain, but they're known as Ruvain Shimon. So there you see that you have an example of somebody being known by two names. So Chaim was holding the notion of two names, a Tosefta in Kedushan, exactly which parak, which pasuk, and Divrei Yomim, an obscure name, who had, those, who had those two names. But if it's in Torah, it was part of his memory. It's the view of how he sees the world. And the other story is once with, a bunch, with, with, with several Chashav Rabbanim, Reb Chaim, and they asked what bracha achroni is an avocado, and Reb Chaim asked, what's an avocado? So afterwards, reflecting on it, they said, what did we learn? Not that Reb Chaim's head is so much in Torah, he doesn't know what an avocado is. What you learned is that in all of Tanakh, in all of, uh, in all of uh, Tanaim, Shas, Babel, Yerushalmi, Sifra, Sifri, Mechilta, in all of the writings, the word avocado clearly doesn't appear. Because if it did, Reb Chaim would be familiar. If he's not familiar, you know it doesn't appear in Torah. And Reb Chaim davens every day that he should forget. He wants to make room so that something new can come in. He's so holding in Kola Torah Kula that his, his biggest wish and his hope to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that he should forget something so there's room to reestablish and to put more in. What an experience, what a great schos. It's been a great schos for us to be able to have Rav Druk and to learn this farm. Each week we share from Eshtamid here. I've marked off Koshavua each week. The Divrei Torah we're going to share from that week. And uh, I know that you enjoy and what a schos it is for us to spend time and to meet the author of the Machaber himself, Rav Druk. So I want to wish Rav Druk he should have... Uh, you should, you should feel well and be safe and healthy and go back to Eretz Yisrael. There's the many, many, many yeshivas that he raises for, that he's responsible in the shiurim. He gives every single day, beginning before the crack of dawn at the Kotel every morning, and four shiurim a day in yeshivas all around Eretz Yisrael. Kishbaruch should continue to give the yeshiva strength and the ability to teach Torah in such an inspiring way for us all.